0: RadioInfluence.com
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Life in the Fast Lane hosted by me, your boy Mr. Black Moses, what's going on, everybody? hope everybody is having a grand week thus far. Listen, listen, man. I am not going to sugarcoat anything. I am not going to uh, procrastinate or hold out. We got a great show. We have a great show this week, and I am excited for two reasons. First and foremost... First and foremost, it is World Superbike Weekend. Your boy Black Moses is about to head out to Monterey, California to get down with the get down pound for pound, you dig? So if you're going to be in World Superbike, If you're going to be at World Superbike this weekend, make sure you hit me up on the socials and let me know you're around. I would love to meet some people, take some pictures with some people, and of course, get down with my Moto family. So holla at your boy if you're going to be out there. Let's get together let's check out some racing. Let's, uh, you know, Moto America, World Superbike. It's a whole lot of racing going on this weekend. So I'm excited for that. Number two, number two, and there's no, like I said, there's no need to, to, there's no need to wait. I just want to jump into this week's episode because the brother has so much, so much experience and entertaining stories about his bike life and his racing life. There's no need to procrastinate any longer. So without further ado... Welcome to Life in the Fast Lane, y'all. Let's ride. My guest this week has done it all when it comes to racing. From the highways of Long Island, New York, to running in CCS and Wera and AMA. And now it's back racing in CCS and Wera. Please welcome to Life in the Fast Lane, my guest, Mr. Lloyd Bailey. What's going on, man? everything's everything. Everything is everything, my man. Listen, listen. Um, First of all, thank you, thank you for spending a little bit of time with your boy, Mr. Black Moses, and uh, being a guest on Life in the Fast Lane. Um, You know, there are a lot of racers in the United States. There are a lot of racers, and where we are right now, you know, personally me, I'm getting ready to head out to uh, Laguna Monterey for World Superbike and Moto America. So, you know, you and I, we've known each other for how many years? When did we
0: meet?
2: Uh, I think first time we met was uh motorcycle show, but that's just back in. We taking it back. Yeah, we back by probably 07? 07, 08 maybe? Yeah. Okay. All right. So,
1: what I'm saying is, is that, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot of racers... In the United States, but they're not that many of us. And what I what I mean by us is, you know, the you know, the 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 the, the skin complexion, blessed the, the kiss by the sun, you know, brothers that have in yeah. your, you know, but not just to say that because there are it's gonna be people like yo, black Moses, plenty of brothers that race, but you've kind of been through all of the series. Uh, in road racing in the United States. Like, we're talking about AMA. We're talking about CCS. We're talking yeah. about Wera. Yeah,
2: uh, have you done some Moto America? No, I haven't done Moto America. It's the same thing to me, It's just a different name. I mean, okay. But... Okay. And that's, but that's
1: why, you know, with, the, with it being a big US racing weekend, big US racing weekend, <laughs> I thought that it would be apropos to talk to you. Um, and catch up with you, man, because it's been a minute. It's been a minute. So with your racing experience, can we take it back a little bit and and talk about, you know, how you got into racing, how you got into riding? What's your bike life
2: history? Uh, how I got started. Well, yes.
1: how How did you get started riding motorcycles?
2: Well, I've always been a fan of motorcycles since I was younger. Nobody in my family rides, so... Yeah. That was it. Was a little strange for me, you know. When you come from our type of family backgrounds, which I can say, where most people, majority of us, don't ride. Majority of us do what we have normally, which is you know things sports we can play for free. I'm just keeping it one hundred. Uh, Keep it one hundred, please. Basketball, baseball, all those things you can practice for free. That that has no money required. Right. Um, so a lot of us don't grow up riding dirt bikes because the only way we can start as children is we have to have people that sponsor us. Support us, parents that buy dirt bikes, parents that take time out of their life so we can experience that type of lifestyle. If you don't have that, then you'll never experience it until you get old enough to make money to buy stuff yourself, and you know that's an uphill battle, but that's another stuff. Sure. but so the way I got started was I was always fascinated by motorcycles. My, you know I lived in a house, my mother was saying, no, 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 you know everything was books and you know other things, piano lessons, things like that. My mom was, Wait, where are you from originally? You're from New York, though, right? Yeah, yeah, I was born in uh, Queens, New York. Okay, I about When I was seven. And then my parents got divorced, moved to Miami. And then after Hurricane Andrew, I moved back to New York, which I stayed the rest of my years until up to two years ago. And I moved back to Florida when I bought a house.
1: Okay, okay. Now you were saying about mom was always like, no.
2: Yeah, no, everything.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> yo, that's too, yo. Yeah, you I, know, that's, that's mom's, though. That's yeah. my, though. No. Can I, can I, no?
2: Yeah. So, in Florida, when I was living in Miami, you know the culture around there is go karts, dirt bikes, because you know it's hot outside and, and the laws are different. So kids can ride around a go kart as long as they had a six foot flag on it on the on the end of it. Uh, that was that was the rule back in the days. So all these kids had go karts because their parents were buying them go karts, and I used to ride in the passenger seat or drive their go karts and. Things like that. I used to do crazy stuff like backflips off the roof. I was crazy stuff, man. So,
0: yeah.
2: yeah. uh, Eventually, I never knew how to ride a dirt bike. I was always on the back of a dirt bike or like some other kid riding me. Never knew how to ride one. I knew the gear, so I got a subscription to Motorcyclist back in say 1990. Okay. I still have them. I still have that original magazine. So, actually, 92 is the year I can remember because. It was uh, that brand new CBR 600 F2, the one that was mostly white and had the blue and red, red, white, and blue. I recall, I recall. Thing. Oh, my God. That that <laughs> that thing set my soul on fire. That's, that. <laughs> yeah, I swear. But, you know, so I was, I all I did was read it from front to back. Okay. I knew the gears were one up five down, I mean, uh, one down five up. Okay. From just reading motorcycles. So, you know, all these years go by, and then, you know, Hurricane Andrew hits, fast forward, I moved back to New York with my father. You know, my mom said, You can't get a motorcycle until you get 18 and move out with your father. Mm. So, after Hurricane Andrew, I ended up moving back with my father. So, when I got 19, my dad financed me a brand new 1996 ZX7RR, the ones Word. that first got out with the dual ram ass schools. Word. Uh, I got on that bike. Never. Good looking out, dad. Good looking out. Good looking out. Yeah. Pops. Never rode a bike in my okay. life. Okay. Never. Jumped on it from the dealer and just did exactly what I've been reading all these years. And I rode it. You know, I wrote it slow, of course, home. That's I,
1: crazy how you could retain that information. You well, could retain
2: it. it wasn't about retaining it because it was always being repeated every day. I was reading those things every day. All this time, that time from when I was seven until I was 19, when I didn't, couldn't get a bike, all I was doing was reading. That's crazy. So all I was doing was reading every issue. Every issue, every month, all of them. Okay. okay. The front to back, so... I already knew this was already burnt in my brain. So I already knew the gears, you know, so I could go up to people and talk to them about motorcycles and never even rode one before. Wow. So I rode it home. Of course I dropped it at a stoplight because I didn't know how to manage the clutch or whatever. on
1: oh, I- the way home you dropped it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it almost,
2: happens. It happens. I almost had a heart attack because I had a scratch on the bike already. It was <laughs> high on life because I'm riding this brand new bike. You know what I mean? So right. purple rims, bright green, brand new. So... I ride it back and um, I drop it. I pick it back up. I, I get home. Okay. I swear to you, all I did was take a drink of water. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I didn't do nothing. All I did was ride that thing for the next 11 hours in my neighborhood, wow. just practice starting and stopping from stop, uh, from stop signs. And then when it got about three o'clock in the morning, I think I took it on the main road um, where I can ride it and just open the gas a little bit just to feel like I was high on life. You couldn't tell me nothing. So wait, what so, year was it? Did you say this was ninety seven? Ninety six. Ninety six, and this is Queens, New York. No, no, this is Long Island, New York. Long Island, okay. Long Island, okay. Long Island. okay. Long Island. Yeah, yeah. So I was living in Long Island. So, uh, fat, uh, short, just to fast forward a little bit, I rode that for eleven hours just to practice, and then two weeks later, after I was riding that bike, I was dragging the foot pegs around exit ramps. That's crazy. So something, you know, I didn't know. I just knew I was excited about it, and you, you got to remember this whole time that. I'm talking about reading motorcyclists. I was videotaping all the AMA superbikes that they were races that they were having in Loudon World Superbike races in Hockenheim, Germany, where Scott Russell was racing against Foggy. Right. I have all of these things on VHS still to this day, and I watched it over and oh, I, I watched it at least t- two times a day. Were you obsessed? Obsessed is not even <laughs> <laughs> obsessed. Is- a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Yeah, but not but not saying not saying in my head that I'm going to do this one day. I never said that. Right. I was just emulating those things I was seeing on the track on the street. So that turned into me smoking everybody around me. Like, I was like, wasn't even close. Let me like,
1: ask you this. Me- so did you eventually, obviously, if the skill set is there, okay. Did you begin to race on the street? Was there any street racing involved? Sure.
2: That's all I did from 2000 and. 1996 to 2006. That's all I did was race for 10 years. 96 to 06. Yep. yep. Never lost a race, smoked everybody, and everything else was for fun. But okay. anything.
1: Right. Pause, pause, pause. This is a life in a fast lane, literal exclusive. I would like for you, bro, Lloyd Bailey, please break down, break down what, How would you? how would you engage? A street race. How does that happen? Somebody comes up to you. Are they talking smack? I bet you I could smoke you from this point to that point. Was there a predetermined route, a start point, a finish point? Can you give us a hot lap on a street race?
2: Well, it all starts with going for a ride, and then you know, you know how guys are on the street. Everybody's got their balls on the outside of their or the outside of their pants. Everybody thinks faster <laughs> than everybody, and oh, I'll smoke this dude, and if a girls are around, they start talking, you know, you know how that gets. Absolutely. So, I sometimes, I know you, you're a street rider, right? So, sometimes yeah. you're riding, you're just chilling on the street, and you're just riding. And then, you know, a week later, you'll hear some guy saying, oh, I was riding with Alan Lane, I smoked him, and left him in the dust. And you look at him like, I didn't know we were racing. Right. So, that, right. that's what happens, right? So, that right. Now, I'm, now I'm obligated to re- retaliate with conversation to find out investigate more about, see how I can get some money out of this.
1: So now,
2: now I got people, you know how when it goes through one mile to the next mile to the next mouth, by the time it gets to the fourth person, it's something totally different. Right. So I'm hearing this and I'm, you know, I'm livid because I'm like I'm not even trying to race these guys. It's just, sorry, whatever. So I'll have to track the guy down and say, oh, I heard you saying this and that. You want to race? Put up some money. Most guys don't want to race. So most guys get a crowd and it's like these guys on Facebook now. They talk so much. Yes, even, not going to do anything. But Keyboard they tough crafts. guys. It get so many people with their ears. They get so many people listening. Now you're obligated to do it for nothing. Because just to shut them up. Right. Because now you got people questioning your talent. Like, oh, it would be a good race, you know. And we Somebody, can't I, have that. We can't, we can't have that. Because it's just going to be limbo. So I was dusting guys off all day. Like, it wasn't even close. Like, we do it on the highway like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning if they wanted okay. to do it. Three, four exits, five exits. I was used to doing thirty mile loops, like island of man type stuff. So, okay, nothing. It was me and a a bunch of other guys that we started a crew called New York City's Fastest. Okay, story, but
1: that's a whole different story.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was me and (laughs) it was me and two other guys that you didn't want to race in New York State. Period. Okay, and I was one of the other two dudes. uh, Are there? They live in Queens, but um, so. This is what's going on. These we call them squids. The guys that just ride, you know, just want to do more parking than, than riding.
1: Right, parking they
2: lot. There. About nothing, and all they do is comment about racetrack stuff, and they've never been on a racetrack. Okay. At this point, I wasn't even on a racetrack either, which I didn't comment on, you know. But uh, street racing was just something that came natural to me. But but let me not fool you. I did crash every bike I've owned. I okay. Got to survive, I crashed everything. I crashed that ZX7. Maybe about a week later after I started dragging those footbags around the x I got a 96 SRAD Tank Slapper. You know what that is. Yes. That was lighter. That was 40 pounds lighter and faster. Okay. 117 horsepower. That was crazy back then, back in 96, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all the specs on it because, trust me, I'm obsessed over it. So
1: You are well-booked red. <laughs> you, know, yeah, yeah. you know your specs, bro.
2: Yeah, so I had that bike and of course, I was faster on that, but I also crashed that, too. I okay. actually ended up in the hospital. I was in the hospital for three months. Wow. I uh, was riding. From, was somebody. that from street race? Yeah, no, it wasn't a race. We were just riding through some back roads. And, of course, when you have, doesn't matter how much talent you have in the beginning, there's certain situations that you're not ready to pull out of, So, which means when you get into a situation, you have a tank slap, or a guy that doesn't know, experiencing, when he starts going into a corner and he feels like he's going too fast, the first thing they do is hit the brakes, which is going to make you go straight.
1: Right.
2: It's gonna be harder to turn the bike the more you're on the brakes. So,
1: is that I'm, what happened to you, or was that somebody you were with that that happened? No, no, no. To?
2: I was me. I was on the outside of a turn. And he was on the inside. We were occupying the same lane. Okay. And he went into the turn a little bit too fast and started to, of course, obviously drift wide. Right. And then me hitting the brakes because we were parallel to try to avoid hitting him. My both of my tires are in the grass now. So now I'm panicking, and you know that's what happens. You grab the more brake and you crash. I was sliding backwards and I hit a you know, a stop sign, you know, the metal part of stop sign. Yes. T-boned one of those, those slides oh. back. That broke six of my ribs and then that in turn didn't collapse in my lungs until I tried to sit up. Like it fractured my ribs and then when I was laying on my back, it felt like somebody was standing on my chest, you know, but Oh, that cool. cool. up, then the ribs punctured my lungs. Oh! And I had shortness of breath. So, I, I was, I had to wait. 45 minutes later, I'm in the ambulance. And they took me, they to, airlifted me to uh Stony Brook Hospital that's in Long Island, and I was there for three months. So they took out my spleen, um, had six broken ribs, two collapsed lungs, and I had uh minor scoliosis because my, my back muscles were in shock. From they pulled my spine to one side because they were in shock.
1: Lloyd, I had no idea
2: yeah, I got about this. I got scars all over my body from that, but um
1: But wait a minute, okay, hold on, hold on, pause, pause. So you go through this traumatic accident
2: Mm -hmm. when I was 19.
1: When did you was that the turning point for you to say, you know what? Let me take my ass to the track. Was that no. the turning point? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I was hoping that that would be like... That was, <laughs> and if we were telling the story, okay, that would be the part where the guy realizes, the hero of the movie realizes, you know what? I need to take my talents to the track. And then they go on and, you know, ever, ever happy after. But you, you go back to the streets? Yeah. Wow. So what happened next? When, when, when did you get... When did you decide... That it was time to go to the track.
2: Um, that this that's a lot of years later, man. We're talking about 96. We're not talking about 10 years later, I didn't get on the track.
1: So you're talking about a 10-year span of street riding, and then somewhere in 06. Right wait, so you're telling me when we first met, that was the beginning of your race career? Yeah. I had no idea.
2: That was only two years in of my wow. track. Race career, yeah. It was only two years in.
1: Okay. And so, wow. And that was, mo- you went straight to, did you work your way up through CCS or did you go straight AMA at the time?
2: No, I had, I had to CCS. So, let me just tell you the quick in between that story. Okay, of course. You know, I had my grandfather in the, in the uh, I had the, my grandfather in the, you know, in the emergency room and stuff, telling my father, like, you know, talk to your son, he's going to kill himself, right?
0: You know. Okay.
2: And my grandfather was like, I bet it you... Sounds like your grandfather lesson. thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I bet you learned your lesson. I bet you won't, you know, ride on his bikes anymore. And I said, I'm going to ride as soon as I get out of here. <laughs> and, he, and he threw his hands up and said, talk to your son. He was talking to my father. Okay. So dad was, didn't say really anything. He just felt like he was to blame because he financed the bike for me. Oh, yeah, you know, he bought that bike for me too.
1: The so, second bike yeah,
2: as well. Yeah, like you said, you can't get those things unless you have money. Not. Right. They you know, have no money credit. My dad did it for me because... That's the whole father-son separation thing, divorce, you know, all that thing. You know, I wasn't living with him. And then when I'm living with him, of course, you, you got to make up for lost time. So sometimes you do that out of financial, you sure. know, buy kids, whatever. That's just a normal, typical thing, human sure. thing. So, um, yeah, so uh, it took me a while to recuperate. I lost 30 pounds in the hospital. When I went in, I was 150 pounds. I came out 120. Okay. So I was faced with skeleton, you know, skeletal looking, you know, I was, I was pretty bad at beat up. So I uh, gained my way back and then I think I, I was working, I was actually working at Circuit City. I was making a lot of money as a salesman. So I saved my money and then th- I bought a, a used 97 Ashrad, rode that, crashed that too, but it wasn't nothing major. Right. So I was okay. learning more and more, more. You know, I have stupid crashes because when you're out in the streets trying to emulate what you're watching on videotape, things happen. Right. So... Even when I'm by myself with nobody, I'm taking corners and leaning off the bike. All oh, dumb, dumb stuff. If I look at it now, I call it dumb. But right. I did all of those things to end up where I am now. But you don't know that when you're doing it. So anyway, um, then after I had that S-rad, I, I parted it out. And then I saved enough money to buy a 2000 R1 when they first redesigned it from that 98 carburetor. The first one that was fueling Jack. Okay. So after I rode that, after I rode the thousand, I started feeling the torque. I was like, I'm not to <laughs> feel 750 ever again, ever. Like it was, it was just retarded. Like how easy it was to wheelie and right. have to be on the gas so much, you know. Because I it's mean like, that
1: 2000, that 2000 R1 was a yeah, game changer. No joke.
2: Game changer for real. No joke. But then, you know, I'm riding that and I'm doing good. And I didn't know anything about tires and suspension. I met one of the guys that told you, one of the three guys that, you know, on a race in New York. I met him on the highway. We were racing each other, just riding fast. I was riding back to Queens with him and we couldn't pass each other. So then we became friends after that. So we got to talk and he was racing at Loudon at the time. Okay. He was riding me on the street and he said, yo, I'm not going to ride with you no more if you're riding around with that bald front tire. My tire was bald. There was no more grooves. And I was running Dunlop 204s. You remember those, right? Yes. Three yeah. times. There was no wear on the side of the tire. I ran it bald. It looked like a slick. On the side. Yeah. Only part that had grooves on it was at the very edge. Wow. Which I okay. hadn't gotten to that point yet, except around exit ramps. I wasn't doing that on the highway yet. Okay. Okay. You know, I just things I didn't know. I was skilled, but I wasn't skilled. I I'd say I had talent because gotcha. skill, skill is knowing what they're, you know, knowing the all around game, just having talent is just going out there and just doing whatever and just trying stuff. Right. You know, that's,
1: that's what, well said. What, that's well. there's yeah, a difference. because There's a difference.
2: It's yeah, a big difference. Once you do, because obviously, you know, when you have no fear as a kid, then when you get hurt, what you do after that is different. Yeah. That determines if you have skill or not, like if you were able to do the same thing, but do it a little bit more cautiously. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, do it easier. Progression, so, progression. Progression. Yeah. So when you have talent, you're out there and you, you're good on a motorcycle, doesn't mean anything because you can get hurt and never do it again. Mm-hmm. So Let's get back up on it. Th- yeah. This is why we have older people and people that have been through it try to mentor us and tell us, look, you don't want to do it this way because of this. Right. You don't want to tell them, you don't want to do this because I feel like I can't do it myself. So you should. Bro,
1: wait, 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 wait. Peep, peep my game. That's like what Hove said. Hove did that. So hopefully. Yeah. You, don't have
2: to you go don't. do go through that, you know? That goes over a lot of people's heads.
1: It does, but, it, but it's facts, though.
2: Yeah. Facts. So yeah. so I uh, had a 2000 R1, riding that, and, you know, doing the same thing, whipping ass, taking names, that type thing. And I, I created a name on the street. Which was? Not trying to, just my name was Lloyd. You know, Lloyd okay. from Long Island. There was a guy named Lloyd that uh, drag raced in Brooklyn. So, but everybody knew me. No matter where I went, what borough. If anybody talked about highway racing, everybody knew the name because it was just people talk, you know, that's the way they are on the street, but didn't know that just was having fun. And I was just living out my dream, riding a motorcycle, something that I never thought I would do since I was younger, that I obsessed over every single day for years and years and years. So when I'm living it, I'm loving it. So I'm still watching videos at this point every day and just practicing what I see on tape. Like I used to be on the highway, do 180 miles an hour. And then start breaking that one, the southbound exit. By the time I get under the bridge, slow down for the northbound exit. So I was practicing that stuff just for fun because I was watching it on tape. Not knowing it would come in handy 10 years later when I'm on the track. So wow. after the 2000 R1. Right. I got a 2000, I was working at a dealership. Uh, Bike dealership? Yeah, yeah. I was working okay. at Ford Motorsports. Uh, uh, and I ended up buying... A uh, 2000 GSXR 750 Because that was the fastest bike out After the R1 when it came out with that had the high to- highest top speed So I bought one Okay Had no torque But we were doing wheelies on the highway Six gear, no clutch mm. I was now bouncing it up We are doing that back in 2000 Got videos of that stuff all the time And me and a bunch of other people We used to do that all the time, right? Like it was nothing Like it was nothing you know the one thousands were easier. You you can do uh, fifth, sixth gear at a hundred miles an hour. One seven fifties, you got to be doing one hundred and thirty to bounce it up. But um, so the real changer was I rode that seven fifty. Of course, I crashed that on the street doing stupid stuff, doing minor stuff. And the two thousand one GSXR R one thousand comes out two
1: thousand and one. Yep, GSX
2: R. Remember, the gray and black one was sold out countrywide. Couldn't <clears throat> get it. I bought a blue and white one. Okay. When I first rode that, I, I couldn't believe what the fuck I was riding. I said, this shit makes no sense. How is this so much faster than the R1 and the Gixxah 750, and it feels just like a 750, and it's so much easier to ride? I could not believe what I was riding. I never rode that 750 again. I had them both at the same time. That 750 stayed parked in the garage for about a year. Never rode it. I Using rode that 100. stack. Yeah, I, I rode that 1,000. Man, I'd do a roll on with R1s, like the same 2000 R1 I had on the highway. I'd do a roll on and man, I'd smoke them by 15, 20 bikes. Easy. Wow. It was out of control. So that started a whole new era. I was bouncing in any gear you want. All the wheels I did, I never used a clutch. I never cracked a clutch to so do a wheel. Everything was throttle. So we were always doing that. So. I rode that for years, and of course, then eventually, fast forward, I roll into a 2003 GSXR 1000 when they redesigned it.
1: So it was like every year you was getting a new bike?
2: Every, every time. The G6R, <laughs> only GSXR I've never owned was the new one that's out right now. That's the only okay. one I haven't. I've owned every GSXR 750 and 1000 since 96.
1: That's crazy.
2: Minus the, minus the 97, 98 when they, when they swapped it the fuel injection. I never bought that one. It was okay. the same. But everybody's change, I've, I've owned all of them.
1: So was Jixon, was Suzuki, was that, you, I don't wanna say
2: that was your brand, but for that time period, that was, was that your brand? That was the bike to beat. That was the bike to have. There was nothing, nothing beaten. You know, everyone always has an argument that says, oh, Yamaha's handle better. Well, my, my, my take on that was everything that doesn't make power handles good, mm. Honda's handle good. And Yamaha's handle good. Those are the least, uh, the, the least horsepower out of the leader bikes. They don't make any horsepower, so of course they're gonna be, they're gonna handle good.
1: So somewhere there was a sacrifice. Either it was
2: handling or power yeah but on the street it's with the power. All about power it's all about power nobody gives a fuck about handling that's <laughs> all. <right.
1: laughs>
2: nobody- you just said a real thing you just yeah. said a truth thing speak your truth Lloyd. speak and, your truth and on on the on the street nobody every, horsepower that's why they come out with these bikes and they give these crazy horsepower numbers because they know it's going to sell on the street right on the track it don't mean nothing power without control means nothing power without control we're looking control at we're looking power out of the bikes I mean. power into them. This is too much, unless you're at Daytona, but all these small tracks, you can't you, you're on this you're on the two square inch patch of rubber when you're leaned over. Like, more power is going to make it harder to ride. Then you're going to have to use more electronics that band-aid it and all that stuff if you're that a like Now, you
1: you just mentioned something that's important that you know, you talk about what is what is applicable for the street versus what is applicable for the track. Let's well, get into
2: Mark, did you, to the track. Marketing, marketing is yeah, horsepower, Marketing, is king. horsepower for the track. I mean for the street. When yeah, did you market. get to the track? Okay, uh, fast forward two thousand six. I had a two thousand five GSX R one thousand. Of
1: course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> so
2: uh, there was a. Uh, I, I got. I borrowed the money from a young a, a young lady that I was dating. This is a trick. I was dating, and she gave me the money to do the penguin road racing school just to get your license so i said really? i went into it like i'm gonna try it don't know if i'm gonna be good at it but i'm gonna try it but i got guys on the street telling me oh wait till you get to the track you're gonna get smoked uh they're trying to push that in my face because they
1: wait, can't me. pause 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 was the, so the penguin road racing school was that your first it was a you know you went
2: to the first school time on a track that was first well, time on the track no no first time i was on track was a week before that okay April, i said April 12th to 14th or something like that, sport bike track time at Bolton, okay. Uh I, I did a track day. I had on pilot, power, street tires, and it started to rain. And I said, damn, all the years I've known that when you feel like you're going too fast in the corner, don't hit the brakes. I said, fuck it. If I'm going to crash, I'm going to crash trying to make it. So I turned the bike and I actually touched my knee for the first time. It was half rain, half half dry, half wet. Wow rain. So after that, you know, of course, you know, first time you touch your knee, you walk around pointing at your knee puck. Look what I did. <laughs> look, look at, me. Look, 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 at from me. me. look at me. Look, look what, I what I can do. I touched, I scraped my knee. Look at me. Right. So that happened. And uh, a week later, I go to Loudon, and, you know, they go through the school where they just walk you around the track and show you nothing really intricate. just tells you. Where you turn in, you know, for uh, for novices, where you turn in, what you don't want to do, what you do want to do, basic knowledge to get you out there to do your rookie race. Okay. So this is my first time running race tires, so I got money to do. I bought a set of two o sevens Dunlop D two o sevens. Okay. So I put those on, and I had tire warmers too. I bought tire warmers, and everything. So chicken tire warmers from Dave Podolsky, which I, I met too. That's another long story. I traveled with him for a mm-hmm. couple a couple months. That's another story. Okay. So, put tire warmers on, and when I left the paddock to go to the grids for the rookie race, when I came out the garage, I could not believe the grip I felt under the... Like, the way it was turning by itself and the profile of the tire. And I was just... My eyes were wide open. Okay. All I kept saying was, oh, my God, I'm going to have all the confidence in the world with these tires. Like, I couldn't believe what I felt underneath me. Coming from street tires to race tires for the first time. So, at this point, I had an Olin's rear shock. And... To just jump back for a second, I don't want to get out of the I'll just jump back. All this time on the street, when I was doing all this street racing, mm-hmm. one of the guys in Queens that I told you that you don't want to race, he introduced me into Mike Fitzgerald. You know who the thermosman is, right? Yes. So I knew the thermosman back in 2004. Never met him before. I always talked to him on the phone. Okay. figure out suspension, because I'm telling you, I'm emulating these things. I'm watching on videotape on the street. So I got an Owens rear shock, and he's just telling me a couple. So what I used to do is ride on the highway, pull on the side, change some clickers, ride it again, see what it'd do. I, do, I used to do that for hours, some nights. I didn't have okay. any front suspension. I only had rear. So anyway, get to the track. I got the Owens rear shock. I jump into the uh, rookie race. It's three laps. Without crashing, you get your race license. So I do the race, and I win it. Okay. <laughs> I, First I, race. I, yeah, I started from third row. I won it. So, all right. So they have to put you in an amateur race. With uh, uh, back then, Loudon had three classes. They had novice, amateur, junior, expert, and experts. They have four classes back then. They only have three now. So I jumped in the rookie race, a GTO race, where they put you in with real amateurs, and I won that too. Second race, won it. Second race, won that. So every time I went up to Loudon, every whatever two weeks or three weeks it was, I won every race. Now at this point, when I'm doing this racing. I'm on unemployment at the time. I'm only getting $400 a week (laughs) from unemployment. So, me and my boy Gil, you remember Gil, right? Yes. Okay, Gil, me and Gil, we both had truck driving jobs, right? Unfortunately, we both, well, he worked, he had a union job that he was going through something. And I had a job where I was working for some races as guy or whatever, right? So, he used to have no work when it was work. So, I just used to get unemployment and just go to the racetrack. We had enough money to get to the track and get back home. All my tires, after that first tire she bought me, I used the front takeoff and she bought me a rear tire. After that, I had nothing but trash towel pie. That's all I did. If I didn't win any contingency money, I didn't deserve to have any tires. So all mm. I was doing was taking all my tires out the trash pile. At Dunlop, that's when I met Steve Gennard. You know, Steve Gennard is one of the Dunlop guys. I met him. Yes. So, and Baker, I met him since, known him since 072. And he always remembers me taking tires out the garbage pile. So that's all I used to do was come to the Dunlop trash pile and then stick my arm to a whole bunch of tires and take them. <laughs> that's all I did. And I and and then when I when I when when we I think it was the last time we went up to Loudon they had a big rain, they had a big rainstorm where it flooded the garages. That was back in 06. That was the last time I've been there until I started racing endurance there. But uh I I I told Gil, I said, yo, we can't come up here six hours, you know, five hours and be racing. And do only one race because, as a novice in, in New Hampshire, they wouldn't let you do more than one race on a one thousand. You can only do the GTO. That was it. So I said, "Yo, I can't be coming up here, win one race, and then sit around watching everybody else race. I can't do it." So we didn't just drive right home. I just watched races. I went to different corners and watched things and just learned. So we started opening up the CCS schedule and looking. I was like, "Oh, West Virginia. That's only six hours." You know, so drive six hours to West Virginia. Never seen the track. mispractice, Everything. Did my warm up lap. I think I finished seventh in the amateur race. Never mm. seen track before, right? Just following other people. So I think that weekend I bent my rims because I went off track and I hit like a little hole in the ground and bent both my rims. So the next time I got the rims fixed, the next time I came back to Summit, I was battling for the lead. Wow. There was a dude up there named uh, Robert Wilkie. He was one of the top fastest uh, amateur guys. And the two, the three fastest amateurs in the country at that, that year, when I was 06, was Seth Starnes, which you probably know him. He lives in Miami now. Okay. Uh, it was uh, Robert Wilkie and me. I was battling with both of them every time I saw them. So I won. I was battling for races at uh, Summit Point, and then I would go to VIR. That's when I battled with Seth. I I won a I won a race every. I won a first went to VIR. I won a race there, amateur race. Crazy on that 06 on that 05 R 1000. So I didn't start on 600. I started on 1000. Okay. So all that myth with people telling you, oh, you need to start off on the 600, that that just depends on who you're dealing with, you know. it's just Exactly. Cheapest exactly. way to race is race what you have. Yep. It makes no sense to sell what you have to go buy something else and spend more money and to, it's just, it, it, people just, people put their problems on you. Basically, if they can't feel like they can do it, they're going to tell you what you should do. Mm. You should do whatever is going to uh, keep you coming out here. That's what you should I, do. I tell I people. Agree. So I don't never discourage people for doing what they want. And I tell people all the time, stop listening to people when it's going to cost you more money. Mm. Do say what it, say do. it again. Say that again, Lloyd. Stop listening to people when it's going to cost you more money. Facts. If you don't have the budget, then... That you don't have the budget. Yeah, you just listen to it and take it eat of it. And that's it. And just do gotta it. Use what you, you got. got. You got to use yeah. what you got. I've seen guys come and go. I've been out here since 2006. I see guys come. They spend a whole bunch of money one year and then leave. And I spend half the money and beat them, and on trash towels and trash stuff like tires that nobody wanted to ride on. Wow! So I did that for a long time. I still do it. You know, I mean, I've, I'm un, I'm under better sponsorship now. I have a little bit of help, nothing crazy, but I have some help, and I just know how to make it work a lot easier. So in all these races that I was doing, I won about twenty five races as an now, amateur. Now wait,
1: was it was this CCS? Was this what was CCS. this? On- and <laughs>
2: where? CCS and where? Okay. Yeah, where we it was mixed in because at that point, you know, I'm high on life, and you know, of course, when you watch all the, the story I told you about watching all these videotapes and emulating this stuff on the street and then getting on a racetrack, now and now you're living it. Now it goes right into it, and I start winning races. I'm high. On life. When I came home from that first win, I had about four cars. I had like I was into turbo cars. Like I had GTIs, I had Eagle Talons, all this stuff. I sold all of that shit. All of it. All of it was fire. I need more bike stuff. Fire sale. Yo, no, I just need one bike. I just need to continue to go there to continue that feeling of winning. I I was like, I was, was, that was it. I sold everything and kept the hoop. That's it. I sold all of them cars. Fire sale. Get it out of here. Yo. Sold it. Continued racing. And then, you know, continue doing my thing. I was on unemployment for like a year and a half. Until I got a, until I got another job in 07, which I worked from 07 to about 2013, or almost 14, to almost 2014.
1: Now, when did you get into AMA?
2: My, AMA, I got into the. Uh, let us see. I went amateur in 06, and I went expert the same year. Seven months later, I went expert. Okay. Or the end of the year, and then. I got my exports points up in 07, and then I got my AMA license in 08.
1: Okay, now let's talk about that experience. You was, wait, hold on, hold on. You was kicking ass on the streets. You was kicking ass in and, and CCS Weir. Mm-hmm. What what did you continue to kick ass in AMA?
2: Well, no, I mean, I did for uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I was sponsored by a place called Chronic Motorsports, which is a shop that was Actually, in my neighborhood, everybody knows who kind of motorsports are because they stayed, they stayed out in Motor America for a while. the bright green bike. It was the color of marijuana. Nobody, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody could forget those bikes. Sorry.
1: You, you said Motor America, but you meant AMA, right? AMA, yes. Yes, yes.
2: AMA, which is basically the same thing to me, but AMA. Yeah. Uh, that's when Ben Speeds was still riding Superstar yep. Guns. So, so um, I'm out there, Daytona, for my first uh, superbike race. Oh, super superstock race, I'm sorry. And, um, yeah, I, I was, all the AMA races, like, they only, I only got two. I'm letting everybody know, like, every time they see me at the track, that's when Pirelli and Dunlop were actually going. Like, it was a tire war, basically. How was I homologated tire? Right. So, I only got from the shop was two sets of tires. One to race on, one to qualify on. Two rears, two fronts. Everything else came out the garbage or from another team that they didn't want to run on no more. So all my practice times when I was placing like top 13, top 15 was all on takeoffs. Insane. I didn't know anything really about suspension yet. I was just learning, but I was having a lot of front end crashes and I just had to figure it out. It was all front end stuff because I'm a front end type person. I like breaking really hard, turning, you know, so never had really issues. I've only high sided once of all the years I've been racing.
1: Mm. Mm. Fortunate
2: yeah yeah so um and it was totally my fault you know it was a slow you know slow high side but um yeah everything else has been front-end crashes so i've been working at this for a long time a friend of mine named rodney rayborn he used to be aaron yates crew chief he used to run um marty Craig's uh matt mullatin's motorsports he used to be the crew chief for marty craigle he built like the R7 uh, bikes that were grave. So he knows his stuff. So he started teaching me about suspension, which I still speak to him today. Okay. He me a lot And he simplified it. So which enables me to be more self-sufficient now. So now I can go to the track and set a bike up now, but it's hard. It's easier to make a slower guy faster. but It's harder to make a faster guy faster. Interesting. Because when you get faster, you're not chasing seconds, you're chasing tenths.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And you're chasing... Uh, that feeling you need for the bike or you're chasing, you have to be a robot because if you make a change on a bike, you have to do exactly everything you just did the practice session before. Everything has to be the same. That's why.
1: Exact they, precision.
2: Yeah, that's why you read these books and they tell you, turn in here, turn in there. That has to be a Bible because if it's not a Bible and you're all over the place, then you're not going to, your search is going to become harder. right. So you have to do the same thing over and over and over and over. And then when you make a change, then you'll be able to see the change that you made and not have another, have other, just eliminates the variables basically. Right. So wow. if, you, if you don't have that down packed, then it's going to be a hard, you know, it's going to be a long, it, it, it it's hard to not have like Cause I come to the track. I don't have a suspension guy. I don't have a mechanic. Guy, I do all the stuff myself. so, so you know, I've been I've had to make it to the track when I've drive driven 12 13 hours for work, come home, pack the truck and then drive another 10 hours with no sleep, show up, tack my bike and then jump right into practice with no sleep. Mm. It's still it's still one races but it's it's hard but it wasn't it wasn't that I wasn't thinking, "Oh, I can do it." I just had to. There was no choice.
1: Okay. Okay. What is what what series? Bro, you have just you, you, you've done so much You've done so much And you talk about natural talent And natural ability And skill sets and your experience And things that you've learned What, what are you up to now? Or you, you're, obviously you're still racing are you, you did your stint In AMA mm-hmm. um, Now you're back to Are you back to CCS?
2: Yeah, CCS Azure yeah.
1: Now why, why not Moto America? I know they're the same to you, but is it a, what I I could, let me, let me propose. Is it a question of
2: dollars? Always dollars. Because you got to remember, you got to be at the track Wednesday. It's time, time off time. You know, those tire bills are like, you know, two grand, 1500. And I mean, you have to ask yourself a question. Why am I doing it? Like, what am I getting out of it? Right. I mean, with the internet now, you can get exposure to yourself. It's very easy.
1: True. Social
2: media. Yep. Yeah. So it's like it's not a it's not a it's not a question of getting public. I'm not saying that it's not publicized. It is out there and is, they're doing their thing, whatever. I'm not knocking them at all. But as me, as a racer, I'm coming to spend X amount of dollars. What am I getting back? If right. I'm not Any money back or it's the
1: investment and it's the return on investment.
2: Yes, because the return on investment, if you don't have money, it determines on how long you're going to be show your face out there
1: but is the series that you're in now obviously it the the overhead is must be considerably less
2: it's a lot less but i'm also you know chasing bmw money so i mean this week this past weekend i just went to the track i made a thousand dollars
1: wait a minute pause let's talk about your new bike let's talk about it um (laughs) how long have you been on the s1000 rr
2: Uh, Since March The first time me ever riding it I never did a track day on it I just bought it Put suspension on it And rode it at Daytona Only got two Only got two races on it One of them I actually Had a low uh, uh, Had a cold tire So I I crashed in the chicane It was a light crash But That was my first introduction To riding the bike And then uh, Fast forward I was leading one of the endurance races In Carolina And then something happened With the ECU Where the ECU took a crap A lap before the white flag Like I had second place by a lap, so I was gone, and bike stopped. What's just
1: it's crazy. What's your success now with the with the S1000RR? It's getting
2: it's getting better. It was just okay. so it's a lot of like I said when you when you switch from bike to bike, you have to you have to get into the dynamics of the bike because I, you have yeah, to take
1: I'm it on a couple of dates. You have to get the yeah, note. I'm gonna
2: go quick, but this is a different bike than is the X10 that I was on, uh, which I still have, but it's it's a different bike. So. This bike is different. It's a lot smoother. It's not as aggressive. The power delivery is so much smoother. So it makes you feel like you're going slow, but you're actually going fast. So it's it's a different bike.
1: What year? Different. What year is yours? The 18. Have you seen have you have you straddled the 2020s? No, I haven't straddled Oh, Lord. let me just oh Lord. bruh, bruh. I just rode barber uh on the 2020s. Oh, uh, I'm sure that's uh, good. Woo! Without well, there with the know, home they you,
2: know, you know what? My look at it that this is the way I see it. If I sell mine and buy that one, yeah. I'm gonna be at least. Even if I switch some things over, I'm still gonna be spending another five grand more.
1: Of course, because
2: that's to, to, to chase the same contingency I can then get on this one.
1: That's what you do. But you know what? Though you you are a proven. Uh ah, you're a proven soldier man you are your ability and your knowledge you know I don't I don't want to just talk about in your knowledge on riding the bike your knowledge of and I don't want to call it the game but your knowledge on how things work in the racing world I mean like you 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 know enough to make decisions even with you talking about return on investments where's your time best spent where's your money best spent time energy effort and then ultimately what you're getting back out of it and then the question of why am i doing this these are things that you know it 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 separates you know the adults from the children When you really think about it, because a lot of cats, guys and girls, they'll get into it for the glory. And at the end of the day, you said earlier, you saw a lot of people come in, drop a lot of bread in for one year, and then they're gone. There's no longevity. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... I um yeah, dude. Like I think the first time we met, I saw the fire in your eyes, and uh, following you on social media, and just staying in touch with you, and then bumping into you when we bump into each other. You've always maintained the same chill New York vibe, just straight up. Like <laughs> it, it, you know, it's undeniable. Yeah. Y- y- your your uh, your personality, your chill, you know, uh, your its not- undeniable. So
2: yeah, that's when me, you, and uh. Tyson was at the. We were in New York at the IMS show. You know what's crazy? What's the that? The mutual friend that me and Tyson have. My boy, Ade, he, lives in, he lives in California. A day? I said, my boy, the mutual friend that me and Tyson have. His he name is A day. A day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Ade, my boy. Yeah. That's my boy from back in the days, right? So. so He's he, out there killing
1: it. That's the homie. He's killing it out there.
2: Yeah, yeah, he told he told Tyson about me, right? And Tyson was supposed to come out one night on the street race. Didn't know it was me. We were talking to each other.
1: Okay.
2: He was supposed to come out and watch me street race. This is before I got on the track years ago. But he said something. that came up where he had to do something.
1: Okay.
2: But he was like, "Oh shit, you're the guy I've been hearing about on the street because our days been telling him for years, you know." So, okay. The funny thing, he was supposed to come see me, and that was it. Was just a sm- it was just a small world when we we started talking, and uh, that's how we hit it. off. So it was it was real funny.
1: Look, man, the motorcycle world is the biggest small world in the universe. Everybody know everybody. East coast, West coast, international, overseas, you know. But that's one of the things that I love about it is that our community is so global that we. I can go anywhere, and I think it, I think it's true. It's not just because it's me and I know my my network is so vast, but I believe that any true rider has had sea time in. And is that, you know, put in real quality time in the community, can go anywhere in the world, link up with somebody and go for a ride. Doesn't matter. Real rider. That's, that's real rider. You
2: know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. I don't ride on the street anymore. It's just because it was just, I, I'm in danger to myself. All well, of- you're, an,
1: you're an athlete. You're well, an athlete. Right
2: now, right now, I mean, I've tried it years ago. I mean, I did, after I rode on the track, I did race somebody on the street back in 2013. How'd that go? 2,500 took from them and then took them to steps. 27- <laughs> Somebody else. Spirit nah, bag. Were on, yeah, but they were on Facebook talking crazy about me. Like, they were going to smoke the AMA ride. That's what they were calling me, the AMA rider. I'm going to smoke this guy. Yeah, it's like, you think I'm less dangerous that I've been on the track now and off the street? Yeah, like, you guys... dangerous. I was telling these guys, you couldn't do what I was doing 10 years ago, right now. So, you were trying to tell me right now with the skill set I have. So, you know, I showed up on the street with my GSXR with street body work on it. Didn't even have a stock harness. I had to wire the, the rear tail light up to a battery just to have it running all the time, and I showed up with slicks. I felt like I was cheating. That's I, felt wow. like I, was, I was on with suspension too. I just put the lightest springs I had on the bike. Running over bumps, leaned over like it was nothing. Like I, it was, it was a joke. It was you a joke. them. Ah, it was a joke. No, I, actually, one of my, you know, you know, Nate Castro. Yes, Nate called me the day I was supposed to race. He heard about it from some people from the Bronx. He called me on my phone and he told me, "Yo, do not smoke them." <laughs> Badly because you will never get another race. Do not do it. I, I don't know how to do that. This is back in 13, 2013. I said, Yo, I don't know how to do that, bro. He said, wow. Yo, do whatever you got to do, but do not beat them that bad because you will mess up the money. I said, oh. That's crazy. All right, because a mutual friend of ours was putting up half the money because uh, the banks were closing something and I couldn't get all the money out. So they, I did half. because <laughs> oh, So I, did, I put in like 2,000, they put in like 600 or something like that. So I was like, All right. So I said, I'm going to try it. So we start the race on the highway. They only wanted to do like four or five exits. Was, it was only like 12 miles. It was short. So I was like, all right, whatever. So we start taking off and stuff, and I start going around touring. So at, you know when you ride at nighttime, you can see someone with his headlight on the ground. Yes. So that's where I kept them the whole race. Like that's If crazy. I see his headlight, I let off the gas a little bit. So I saw his headlight again.
1: <laughs> Yo, man, bro, like that, You're, you're, see, it's crazy because you're, see, you have great, Great history and great experience on the track. Much success on the track. And I'm sure it's entertaining. But to keep it 100 with you, it, there's it, there's no way it, there, your track and race, your your legit racing on the track is as entertaining as your street racing. And I think we're going to have to have you back for a whole show strictly. Yeah, that's the no problem. Because that... What's great is that you, at least you saw, there's a lot of cats out there on the street who don't make the transition. You've been able to make the transition and basically write your own ticket and do whatever you want. And that, my hat's off to you for that, man. Black Moses appreciates that.
2: Yeah, it's apples and oranges, man. Apples
1: and oranges. It's all fruit, but it's apples and oranges, you dig? Yo, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but... I want to make sure that we get into it. And it's ever so appropriate. I got we'll it to you, man.
0: Whatever. You
2: know,
1: We're about to get into the Super Bowl questions section of Life in the Fast Lane. Are you ready for that? Of course. All right, my man. So basically, basically, for those listening to Life in the Fast Lane, I asked our guests three questions. And, uh, you know, it's kind of rapid response. and You just speak your truth. So, uh, Lloyd Bailey. Well, sixty-three, real quick. Sixty-three. Why sixty-three? Your race number.
2: Well, that's that's not my. That was my. That was my AMA race number. Um, like when I, two thousand nine, when I did the Daytona two hundred at nighttime, the first race of night. That was my race number. Um, my number is twenty-six. Actually, that was just that was just one of my numbers. that would be sixty-three, just growing me. So I got you. And, and um. So it's 26. It's 26. That's been my race number since, damn, I want to say 2012. Okay. Okay.
1: All right. Back now, moving on into the Super pole question. You ready for question number one? Yep. Tupac or Biggie? Mm.
2: (sighs) I don't think there's no wrong answer, but I would say... There are no wrong answers for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would I would say I you got to pick one. You got to pick one. I mean, if we're talking on a music standpoint or on a whole, I would say Biggie because the more more tracks he has to listen to, or that that are di- different. Tupac is definitely more inspirational and more uh, more of a public figure. Okay. it's it's different. We need both of them, but I mean, it just stood for something, you know, that's bigger than. What we're dealing with now is just, I would I say big, me though.
1: Biggie. Okay, no problem. No problem. I like that answer. I like it. Moving on. Question number two. And this, this is this, you know, we, we might cross a couple lines here, but street racing or road racing?
2: Ah, road racing. Okay. <laughs> Ain't no trophies on the street.
1: <laughs> what about that cash though, bro?
2: Yeah, well, it's cash and it's caskets too. Yo, you just said a true thing, Lloyd. Yeah. It's cash. And caskets.
1: Oh, see, I, I should just end it right there. I should, because that, that's deep, bro. That's deep. The but moving, moving on. Last question. If you could take a ride with anybody, alive, no longer with us, biblical, fictional, mythological, uh, whoever, okay, historical, whatever, who would you ride with? Where would you ride? Hmm. And most importantly, what would you be riding? That's a tricky question. That's what I do. Holla at your boy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah.
2: I mean, if I could ride with anybody to pick their brain. Anybody. I would say, he's still alive. I would say, personally, Keith Cole, because the reason being that. That's what I learned, how how I learned what I do on the track right now, So just from reading these books. Never took a race school ever in my life besides the one to get my license, which is not really a school. It's just an introductory. But never took an advanced right, ra- racing uh, class or school in my life. So keep code. Everything what, I learned riding to tr- twist the wrist one and two. And just okay. take a climb, and that's all I did. That's so still. where
1: where would you ride and what would you be
2: riding? No matter what track, just knowing his angle and what makes him, you know, just, I know a lot now, but just is always that one thing that you don't know. There's plenty of things I don't know. So. Which bike? Which bike? I don't care. As long as it's keep cold, it don't matter. Two wheels and a black, you know, tires. That's it. I like it. I I like it. It is possible, but the problem is, is, you know, it comes into a money thing. I don't have, like, it's either I spend Two grand on some extravagant school, or I take that two grand and hit the racetrack. So, you know what my decision is going to be? I'm going to go race.
1: I dig it. Brother Lloyd, where can the people follow you, stay up to date with you, support you? What are your social situations, man? Give out your Instagram and your face bizzles.
2: Uh, my Instagram is LB63, and my Facebook is my name, Lloyd Bailey. B A Y L E Y. Everybody mixes up with the Baileys Irish Cream. <laughs>
1: is there anybody that you want to say thank you to or give shout outs to
2: just give shout outs to all the people that work hard man work hard for what you got to get because ain't no shortcuts bro i mean you're gonna get in what you put out so if you're around sitting lazy and you do everything last minute and all those things and you're gonna get exactly what you put in so there's nobody to blame but yourself i can dig it bro take accountability Listen, man,
1: listen, man Lloyd, I appreciate you, brother, man Thanks for spending a little bit of time with your boy And, uh, yo Continued, continued much success Continued living your best life And just, you know I'm looking forward to catching up with you sooner than later You dig? Yeah, bro, no problem Yo, man, I'll talk to you soon I'll holler at you. All right, brother Well, that's our show for this week And I want to say thank you to the brother Lloyd Daly For coming on and uh, kicking it with your boy for a little bit and i hope you were as entertained as i was the brother has a lot of a lot of stories and i mean it we're gonna have to have him back with a with an episode completely dedicated to his road racing street racing highway racing antics so uh stay tuned for that that is definitely coming down the line In the meantime, in between time, please follow the show on Instagram at Life in the Fast Lane official on Twitter. You can find us at LITFL official and on Facebook. You can check us out at Life in the Fast Lane podcast. As always, please hit that like that share, hit that subscribe button and make sure make sure that you check out the next episode of Life in the Fast Lane hosted by me, your boy. Mr. Black Moses. I'm going.
0: This is a Jim Fannin Show Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. What challenges have you had to keep you from your vision and your goals? What are those challenges? Is it other people? You know, most of us only have No more than 50 people, and these aren't just best friends, it's coworkers, definitely family members, and some friends, but you have no more than 50 people that make up the key people in your life. How's that going? You're going to ask yourself right now, who can I help be better? Who do I need to avoid? Who do I need to immunize myself from their drama? Do you have drama in your life? Do not allow drama to enter your home. Do not allow drama to enter your business. Drama, controversy, conflict. He said, she said. Seriously? Like we got time for this? Eliminate things that don't serve you well. Eliminate it. Immunize yourself from it. The Jim Fannin Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.